This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. If you'll think back to last time that uh, I spoke, we talked about seeking truth. And, and in that lesson, our primary goal was to establish what is truth. And, and we talked about several things that, that were truth, sources of truth that we can count on. The, we're under attack as far as, uh, as the, the mentality of absolute truth. Uh, is concerned people don't think there is absolute truth people want to make up their own truth as they go they want to to uh, formulate their own ideas their own plans concerning morality concerning salvation concerning you just name it whatever the case may be they want to make up their own truth about that we went in and, and looked at the word of God a little bit and particularly sourced a couple of different uh, passages of scripture uh, and if you'll think back to those in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, we read a passage where, uh, where Paul is admonishing Timothy, and he's telling him that there was going to come a time when people did not want to endure sound doctrine. They didn't like sound doctrine anymore. They didn't want to abide in sound doctrine, and so they would gather to themselves their own teachers uh, who would tickle their ears or their fancies and tell them the things that they wanted to hear. And uh, so we saw that there was really two different things that you could lump any, anything into, and that was it was either the truth or it was a fable. It was a fairy tale. And then we went to 1 John chapter 4, and beginning in verse 6, read several different, or not beginning in verse 6, beginning in verse 1 and going through verse 6. And John established for us there the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And he said those that were true would confess Christ. They were of God and they heard us. He used the word us there. And we deduce from that us that he's talking about the inspired word or the inspired writers. Uh, when he said they would hear us, they would hear those that were inspired of God and speaking the things that were of God. That was truth. And he contrasted that with those that would not confess Jesus that were of the world and that refused to hear them. And so we can see very easily what was true and what was not true. So today we know our, our, where we can turn to find truth. We know what the sources of truth are or what is truth. It's these things right here. We need to establish a process now by which we can seek truth from those sources. Because, let's face it, there's, there's a lot of people that want to seek truth from those sources that somehow get off track as well. Maybe we have. We need to examine that. We need to think about that. So we'll talk about the process, and we won't get all the way through the process uh, today, but we'll get part of the way through the process and hopefully give you some things to think about and continue that on next time, Lord willing. The first step in the process of seeking truth is that we've got to look in the right place. We establish what is truth. So these are our sources of truth. God is our source of truth. He's the creator of the universe. He's the architect of all things. He knows every scientific law that you could imagine. He knows everything. He can count the very hairs on your head. He knows everything about us. He is the source of truth. He established the laws of nature. He established the laws of morality. He established the laws of salvation. He, he is the architect of all those things and therefore our source of truth. 
Christ Jesus, his son, who he sent to this earth, is also our source of truth. And then we notice the inspired word. So these are there are sources of truth. We establish that in 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. So if these are our sources of truth, doesn't it make sense that we would look there to those sources of truth? But how do we look to God? How does God tell us what we need to know? How does Jesus tell us what we need to know? How do we look to them and find truth in them? Well, let's notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 10. The Apostle Paul says something very interesting here. He says, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deepest things of God. So that Paul says, Things have been revealed unto me by the Spirit. And I think back to what we read in 1 John, where John said, If they don't hear us, then they're not of the truth. If they hear us, they're of the truth. Who's us? Well, it was the apostles. It was the the inspired writers of the Word. When the Spirit would inspire someone to write, they would write those things, and we have a record of that. That's God speaking. The deep things of God were revealed. God revealed them unto those apostles and writers of the New Testament Scriptures and Old Testament Scriptures. But we're talking specifically about the new law in these days. So God revealed it. God revealed it unto them. He did that through his spirit. Jesus, when he was on this earth, said that God was going to send the comforter. And I've heard a lot of preachers get up and preach about receiving the comforter and how you can receive the comforter. And I believe we're promised the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're promised that in Acts chapter 2. But you and I are not promised the comforter in terms of the way those apostles were promised the comforter. Jesus said when he sends the comforter that he was going to put them in perfect memory of all things that Jesus had said. He was going to reveal things unto them by the Spirit. They were going to automatically know it. And when they had a feeling to sit down and write a letter to a church in Corinth or Ephesus or some other place, that was not them writing their own ideas. That was them writing the words of God. That was them writing the things that God Almighty was revealing unto them. And so we see we've got to look to that place to find the truth about God. Paul goes on in another epistle. In Ephesians chapter 3 beginning in verse 1. He says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to youward. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. As I wrote afore in a few words whereby when ye read ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Which in in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And so God, again it says God revealed this. He revealed it by the Spirit. He revealed it to the apostles. He revealed it to those other men who wrote in the Scriptures. And he said what? He says something very interesting there. He says, when ye read, ye may understand. Keep that in the back of your mind. We'll visit that again in a few moments. But we see that when we read, when we read the Bible, we have what God wants us to know. We have God's truth written in the Scriptures. It's not just man's ideas. It's not just made up junk and mumbo jumbo. It is the truth. It's not a fable. It's not a fairy tale. It is the truth. Well, what about Jesus? 
Did Jesus reveal truth in the same way? Well, let's look in the book of Revelation, chapter 1 and verse 11. John here is exiled to the island of Patmos. And as he's there, it says that uh, he hears a voice behind him. John hears this voice in, in Revelation 1 and verse 11. And it says, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book. And send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. So John says, I heard this voice behind me. And this voice told me to write the things that I was about to hear. And to send them to the churches. And that's exactly what John did, isn't it? John wrote those things down. And John sent them to the churches. So that they would know what was going on. That was a revelation of Jesus. Jesus revealing his will and his word. He did it just like God the Father. God revealed it unto the apostles by the Spirit. Jesus here reveals it directly to John and tells John what he wants him to write down. How do we know it was Jesus? Because John turned around and saw, like the Son of Man, he saw who was talking to him. And he revealed that. Now we want to wait for some mighty revelation like that and say, now I have the truth of God. But that's not going to happen. The perfect law has come. We have the perfect law. It's been revealed unto us. And if you're waiting on some new revelation, you're not looking in the right place for the truth. But if you're opening your Bible and you're turning in the pages of the Scriptures, you're looking in the right place. Because that's God's truth. That's Christ's truth. That's the entirety of the truth. All our sources of truth converge in that one place. Isn't that magnificent? Isn't that a wonderful thing that we don't have to go and look over here and go and look over there and search and search in that way? All we have to do is open the pages of our Bible and search in a very easy, simple place to find the truth. It's the only place that we have to go. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. You can look many, 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 many places and you're never going to find something that can make you wise unto salvation except for in the Scriptures. The Scriptures will make you wise unto salvation. That's the truth. The only source of truth. The only place that you can go. You can read thousands and thousands of books and they'll never make you wise unto salvation. But the Word of God will make you wise unto salvation. It's the one place that you can go. It's the convergence of all truth. The Word that God wants you to know. The Word that Christ wants you to know. The words that the Spirit reminded the apostles about in the early days of the kingdom. All that's put into one place. And you have a source of complete, total, and absolute truth. And that's where you have to look. You won't find it anywhere else. James 1 and verse 21, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. You can read thousands and thousands of books. They won't save your soul. You can wait for a revelation from God. He's not going to tell you anything different 
than what he's already revealed in his scriptures. He's revealed the information, the knowledge, the wisdom that can save your soul. You just got to open up and find it. That's step one. Look in the right place. Don't wait for me or someone else to tell you what the truth is. Too many times I've heard somebody say, well, I'll wait for my preacher to tell me what's in there. I'll wait for my preacher to tell me what's in there. That's sad. God's given you the source of all truth. Open it up and look at it. Step number two, we left off our last sermon talking about bias a little bit. And if you're going to seek the truth out of the word of God, you're going to go to the right place and you're going to seek truth in that place, you've got to admit that, you have, that you're coming to that with some bias. That bias, we define that as a, a framework of things that affect and shape the way you view uh, information. And that's shaped from a very early age. And if you're raised... Uh, without a moral compass of any type or kind, then it's going to take a while to read the Scriptures and shape your moral compass to fit what the Scriptures say. And if you're raised with a very strong viewpoint on doctrine, then it's going to take a little while to to open up and let the Word uh, mold you into what it needs to mold you into as far as that doctrine is concerned. We've got to admit those things when we open up the Scriptures. If I have a very strong viewpoint, it's very easy for me to open up the scriptures and pick out verses that will support my viewpoint. And I can do that all day long. And I can ignore the other scriptures that maybe, uh, I won't say contradict because the word doesn't contradict itself. But I may be reading uh, a particular passage wrong if I have a skewed viewpoint of what I think it needs to mean and what it should mean. So we've got to admit that going in. And I, I think I used this example last time, but I'm going to use it again. If you do not believe baptism is essential for salvation, then you need to say that. You need to be open and upfront about that when you open up the Scriptures because that may shape the way you read a certain, uh, a certain passage. By the same token, if you're going into study and you believe that baptism is essential for salvation... You need to be honest and upfront about that. Admit that going in, that that's your viewpoint. That's what you think. And then let the scriptures tell you whether or not that's right. Don't try to read them through the lens of I'm going to make it say what I want it to say. Read it through the lens of I want to read it for the the truth that it contains. And I don't care what I think ahead of time. Let's look at a couple examples about this. In Acts chapter 22 and verse number 3. Paul says, I am verily a man, which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God, as ye all are this day. Paul said, look, here's who I am. And he's talking to a group of Jews, and he's appealing to them, and, and trying to get them to recognize where they're at, too, and the biases that they have. Paul said, I was brought up. As a Jew in the city of Cilicia and, and studied at the feet of Gamaliel. In another place, Paul said, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. He admitted who he was and the viewpoints that he had. And he knew coming into any study that it was going to be shaped by that. And he had to, let the, he had to turn himself over to the word and let the word correct him. Because that's what the word's job is to do. It corrects us. It changes us. It molds us if we let it. 
But Paul could have took and did like the Jews were, and they were ignoring Christ's law, and they were saying, we're the children of Abraham. We're the children of Abraham. And they didn't want to listen to anything that Jesus had to say. Peter had a similar incident. In Acts chapter 10, if you remember, he's seeing a vision here that God's revealing unto him, preparing him to go and, and teach to the Gentiles the word of God. And he sees this vision in Acts 10 and verse 12. He says, Wherein all, were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And so here's his bias. The voice of the Lord revealing unto him that he can kill and eat any of these animals that he's seen in this vision. <laughs> no way. That's bias. Because Peter had been trained. You don't eat these animals that are unclean. You don't do that. Those are vile. Those are, are not to be had. The bigger picture was this in Acts 10 and 28 as he's preaching to Cornelius. And they've invited him into that house. Here's what the bias really means. Acts 10 and 28. And he said unto them, You know that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto, uh, or come unto one of another nation. And that's the attitude Peter was coming to this with. That was his bias. It's not lawful for a Jew to eat with a Gentile. It's not right. But he says, But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. See, Peter let the word shape him. He let the truth be revealed unto him, and he accepted it for what it was. His bias didn't matter. His old beliefs didn't matter. The way that he thought about this situation, I shouldn't even be here with these Jews, it didn't matter because God had told him what the truth was. Can you imagine if we all approached the word of God with that attitude every time? And when we read across something in the scriptures that said we needed to do something differently, we needed to change our life in some way, if we just said, God showed it to me and that's what I'm going to do. That's what the truth is for. Break down those biases. Get rid of them. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 16, Peter says this. He says, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them these things which in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. Peter's talking about things that Paul has written. And he says that our beloved Paul, brother Paul has written these things. He said some of those things are hard to understand. They're hard to understand. And if you approach those things with bias... If you approach those things, reading them in order to shape them into what you want them to mean, he says that's going to lead to your destruction. They've done that to their own destruction. But if you'll read those scriptures for what they are and God showing you the truth, and if they say something different from what you thought you knew, you just accept that and move on. That's, that's accepting the truth. That's seeking the truth. And not trying to change it or rest it or manipulate it to say what you want it to say. So admit your biases going in. You've got them. I've got them. <laughs> They're all doctrines that we feel very strongly about. And we need to be honest with ourselves when we go into a study of the Word of God. 
And, and I'm guilty of it. I'm just going to be honest. I've sat down with the doctrine and I've searched the scriptures just trying to disprove that doctrine. And maybe it was false, maybe not. But I've been guilty of that. And I need to just search the scriptures and let them tell me the truth about what, uh, what it wants to tell me. Number three. When you get ready to seek the truth from the Word of God, when you're looking in the right place, when you've been honest with yourself about the biases that you bring to the table, then you need to prepare yourself. You need to prepare yourself to receive the truth. And that can be pretty simple or it can be pretty difficult. There's several different things I think we need to think about when doing that. And the most obvious is certainly to pray. We need to pray to God when we get ready to study His Word. We need to pray to him that he's going to give us the knowledge and the wisdom that he wants us to receive from those scriptures. David was very good at that. In the 19th Psalm in verse 14, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. David said, I want the meditation that I, that I, when I study your word, when I go to your word, I want it to be acceptable. He says in the 119th Psalm, in verse 169, Let my cry come near before thee, O Lord. Give me understanding according to thy word. Give me understanding according to thy word. That's what we need, isn't it? We need to go to the word and we need to get understanding from the word. We need to prepare our minds to receive it. And that means asking God to help us. James 1 and verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. We can have wisdom from the Word. We can receive strength from the Word if we prepare ourselves to do it and if we ask God to help us in understanding. Yeah, some of it's hard to understand. The Apostle Peter admitted that some of it was hard to understand. It's not always easy. Now, a lot of it is, but it's not all easy. We've got to be ready to receive it. We've got to prepare ourselves. The second part of that is like what Jesus had to do in Matthew 26 and 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray yonder. You've got to prepare yourself in the mindset of sometimes you need to get quiet and alone where you can focus. Because some of those things that are more difficult to understand, it's uh, going to be easy to just skim over and miss the point. If you're not ready, if you're not focused, if you haven't withdrawn. Jesus would withdraw and he would pray and focus. We need to sometimes withdraw and study and focus and read, and if we miss something, read it again and think about it. We've got to prepare ourselves to receive the word or we'll miss the point. The next thing, and probably the most obvious, is to read. I've said read several times already. Didn't necessarily mean to. I was going to try to keep that for a big reveal in the middle of the sermon, but kind of gave it away. Can't receive the word if you don't read it, can you? We've got to read our Bibles. It is the source of all truth. It is a magnificent document, the greatest document ever prepared and ever assembled. And we have it so easily uh, at the palm of our hands. You know, I don't open the pages of a Bible much anymore because I've got it right here on this smartphone. And it's easy to click and find exactly what I need to find. But we need to read that. 
And if it's easier for you to open it up and read it out of an old-fashioned book, open it up and read it out of a book. If it's easier for you to pull it up on the computer screen and read it there, it's so easy to access. It doesn't even cost you a dime anymore. It's free. We can read it. We've got it at the, at the tip of our fingers. But I want you to notice this. This was a, a survey that was conducted on the frequency of Bible reading. How often do you read the Bible? And it was a pretty large survey group. Uh, and this was just in the United States, just, just America. But I want you to notice the frequency. You know, for the most part, people still, even in today's day and age, most people will say that they hold the Bible in high regard. They think it's a, an interesting book at the very least. They can appreciate how well it's been preserved. And even if they don't believe everything that it says, they appreciate uh, the fact that it is the greatest book uh, of antiquity that, that we have, the greatest literary document. But still, look at that. To hold a book in high regard and <laughs> never read it? Nearly 30% of people never open the Bible. You can't find truth, folks, if you don't open it up and read it. It's not going to be revealed unto you in any other way. You better not be trusting somebody else to tell you what's in there and what's it, what it's all about. 13% less than once a year. I would call that never. I mean, you can be scrolling through Facebook and catch a verse here and there. To never read it or less than once a year, 8% once or twice a year, 8% three or four times a year, 8% once a month. Now we get into a little more regularly, but look at the low percentage numbers. 9% read it once a week. 14% read it four more times a week, and 11% read it every day. 11% of people read the Bible every day. This is our source of all truth. And we wonder why people want to make up their own truth and why they want to say, oh, this is not truth, that, that is truth, this is not truth, and I, I want to have my truth and you have your truth. It's because only 11% of people read the real truth every day. If we would read the real truth every day, we wouldn't go about to establish our own truth. We wouldn't get so puffed up with pride that we thought we knew a better way if we read it every day. I want to go back in the Old Testament with you. And I want to read a passage of Scripture. God uh, was giving instructions here to Moses. And, and Israel hadn't even established a king. They, they weren't even to have a king yet. But God saw down the road and he knew what was going to happen. And he began to give them instructions to write down for what the king should do. When they did come to a day that they did have a king, here was the, one of the first points of instruction that God gives to that king. In Deuteronomy 17 and verse 18, it says this, And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priest's the Levites. So the first thing he says is that when you have a king and, and he sits down on his throne, first order of business is not to start making laws and dictating this and that to the peasants out there. The first order of business is you find you a copy of the law and you start making your own copy. 
Now, he didn't have a Xerox machine that he should, could just go print. He couldn't download the Bible app and have it right there in front of him. He had to do it the old-fashioned way. He had to write down every word. So the king had to sit down and he had to copy the law so that he would have it. We continue reading there. And it shall be with him, and he shall read therein, listen, he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, and that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. So he says he needs to read that every day. Make a copy. Write it down yourself, king. Don't have a scribe do it for you. You pick it up and you write it down yourself. And then you read it every day. Every day. Over and over and over again, you read it every day. That's pretty good admonition for us. We're no kings, but we have that same need. And why did he say that? Why did the the king need to read the Bible every day? And why do you need to read your Bible every day? He says, first of all, that he may learn to fear the Lord. There's no fear of the Lord when you don't open the scriptures and read about the power of the Lord. Now, the power of God is demonstrated all around us in nature. But if you don't pick up your Bible and read about God, you can't appreciate his power that you see in nature. When you see that thunderstorm rolling in and the power of that thunderstorm, you don't appreciate that it's the Lord that has set that into motion if you haven't opened your scriptures and read about it. And so many people at 29% that never read, they don't appreciate the power of God. They haven't learned how to fear the Lord. And guess what? If you don't pick up your Bible every day, and you don't read your Bible every day, you you won't learn to fear the Lord either. You won't learn to appreciate the power of his judgment. But if you read it every day, you're going to be put in remembrance. You're going to fear him. said that they may learn to keep the words of the law. We've got to learn to do that. We don't just automatically know how to keep the law. We don't just automatically know what the words of the law are. We've got to learn them, and the only place to go and find them is in the Bible the only place we've got to turn and find it there that they may learn to do the commandments of the law that they be not lifted up above their brother if we don't open the bible and read we're going to get puffed up thinking we know better a better way why does god tell us to do this why does god tell us to do that well the scriptures reveal it helps us to know helps us to understand prevent us from turning aside to the right hand or to the left. In Acts 17 and verse 11, it says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures. How often? Once a year? Once a month? Daily. They searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. They went into the Bible daily. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 and 13, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. We've been given the greatest gift imaginable. Why wouldn't we open it every single day? Till I come, give attendance 
to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Now, this is Paul telling Timothy, I'm going to come and visit you. I don't think Paul meant when I get there, you don't have to give daily attendance to reading, exhortation, or doctrine again. I think he's telling him every day, focus on it. Make the time to read. Are you making the time to read your Bible? If you're not, make the time. It just doesn't take that long to read. You can pick up your favorite book and you probably can't put it down until it's over. If you pick up the New Testament and you read it for really less than an hour a day, you can read that thing in about a month, maybe just over a month, not very much. It just doesn't take that long, and that's just at an hour a day. We'll sit down and watch a, an hour-long episode of our favorite TV show. We'll sit down and, and watch that and spend that time. But are we spending that time in the Scriptures? Because it's what can save your soul. It's what can make you wise unto salvation. It's what will lead you to seek more truth and to study it more and understand it better. Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. The fifth step and the last one that we'll talk about today is to meditate. So not only should you read, you can only spend so much time reading. And I'm not saying you've got to read an hour a day. Maybe you just carve out 15 minutes to read. But if you'll think about that 15 minutes of reading for an extended period of time while you're doing other things, while you're doing other tasks, then that's going to keep that law in your mind. That's going to help you. The word meditate means to revolve in the mind. And so you've read a passage of Scripture, and you're thinking about it, and it's just rolling over and over in your mind. And you're just thinking about that. And the more you think about it, the more you can digest it, the more you can break it down, the better that you can understand it, the better that you can apply it when the time comes to apply it. And so meditate means I've got this information, and now I'm in this situation, and that information pops into my mind. And I can process this situation that I'm in properly because I now have the word in my heart meditate upon these things give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all meditate on these things psalms in the first psalm in the second verse but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night so we need to read the word but we don't just need to push it away once we've read it. It needs to be in our mind day and night. Day and night. And we apply it to every situation that we come in contact with. That's what meditation means, that we're thinking about it. That it's always there. That helps us seek truth. And so as we think about the things that we've talked about today, are you looking for truth in the right place? Because it all converges in the Word of God, in the Bible, in the written Word that we have. It all converges there. That's the right place to look for truth. Friends not going to tell you truth. Don't trust your friends. Don't trust the TV. Don't trust Google. Don't trust all these other sources. The Bible is where you're going to find truth. Come to a study of the truth with uh, acknowledgement of the, of the things you think you know already. The ideas that you think you have, admit them. Be honest about them. Some of them are probably good. It's probably good that you have those things fundamental to you as a framework. But maybe not all. Acknowledge them all. Be honest with them. Uh, be honest with yourself about them all and admit them. Prepare yourself. Go to God in prayer. Ask Him to give you wisdom. Ask Him to help you. And get in a quiet place where you can really study and you can really focus in on the Word. And then just simply read it. 
Just simply read the word and take it for what it is. It's going to reveal truth unto you. Now, some of it is hard to understand. We'll talk about how to process some of that in our next studies. And then meditate on it. Think about it. Day and night. In the law doth he meditate both day and night. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.